Good evening, Lowell, Massachusetts. And now, presenting a joint production of For the Pops and the NAI Network. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. A verbal history of chaotic wrestling by the two men who were there from the beginning. Hall of Fame ring announcer and commentator, Rich Palladino. He is the current reigning and defending Chaotic Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. Former owner of Chaotic Wrestling for nearly two decades, Jamie Jamakowski. No blood, no cursing, stay off the barriers. It's time to let the chaos begin on the NAI Pop Network. Welcome to the Let the Chaos Begin podcast. My name is Rich Palladino, and I am reunited with my podcast broadcast partner, Jamie Jamikowski. Aloha, Jamie. Aloha. How are you, Rich? I know last time, I, I missed the last one. It was you and the New Age Insiders, and you were coming, you, you were recording live uh, on tape from the beaches of, of Cape Cod. And now, I was. now here I am live from the, the beaches of Oahu. So kind of yeah, neat. And I'm, and I'm sitting in a hotel room in White Plains, New York. So, I mean, this is... Let's get kind of like Honolulu. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. You'd be excited. I can see a Neiman Marcus outside my hotel window. There's a mall next to us. But uh, how's your summer been going, my friend? Not too bad. Spent the week down the Cape and then right back to uh, the real world. I came home on a Saturday and... Did a show on Sunday and a subsequent four more after that. So I've been home since uh, for for about a week and a half, and I've banged out five shows, wrestling wow. shows that is. So I feel pretty good about that. And then I saw and that we, you were you were on the Chaotic Show with a, a first time guest of Chaotic Wrestling, right? First time guest of Chaotic Wrestling, Xbox Pac. Yeah. Yes. On actually celebrated his forty sixth birthday with us in Lowell. That's kind of. I actually wish I could have been there for that one. I was traveling for both. The X Pac and McFoley show, so I couldn't make either of those. But uh, sounded like it was a lot of a lot of fun. It was. It was. It was a really good night, except for um, our buddy D L Hurst um, broke his leg. So that was uh, that was not so good. But he had some surgery Saturday yeah. morning, and he uh, is doing very well. I've been in constant contact with him. It's actually a great and... lead-in because, uh, Rich, actually, next week on For the Pops with Scotty Slade, D.L. Hurst is actually going to be our guest on the show. We're going we're gonna to talk to him a little bit about what happened, the injury. Um, I don't want to take too much away from that one, but I know right. his, his wrestling career is really starting to, to get going now. Yeah, it, it really is, and he's really starting to get his name out there. He's already... Getting outside of New England, uh, which we all know is a big key um, to eliminating stag, being stagnant. Is that the word? Yeah, stagnant. Okay, I feel pretty good about that. Um, and uh, just he's just a really, really good kid. So uh, yeah, you guys so, will uh, it'll be a great conversation. Yeah, like I said, Slade and I will be catching up with him one week from right now on the next edition of For the Pops right here on the NAI Pop Network. Wow. But like I said, Rich, I've been on vacation for a few weeks. I haven't been on a lot of podcasts, but you know, you got in touch with me. You said, "All right, Jamie, enough is enough. Let's put you back to work." <laughs> so uh, we're back on "Let the Chaos Begin." What do we want to talk about tonight, Rich? Uh, since it's "Let the Chaos Begin," I think we should go back to the beginning, the real beginning, and let's talk about the contracted, the the, the contracted. I can't uh, remember how many they were. I know we always had the dirty. We always spoke of 
the dirty dozen that actually uh, had to file a tax return for the money they earned sure. in chaotic. I can't remember how many contracted uh, performers that we had, but uh, there was a good number of them. So I think this would be uh, some good dialogue. All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love how you come up with these topics. Rich. You're like, All right, I'm, I'm going to test your memory. Let's go back to, the, you know, we can't cover like Cold Fury 16, which was two years ago, <laughs> and I actually might remember something. But every time it's like, all right, we're going to go back to, to the beginning. So, yeah, so what you're talking about is way back when we first started Chaotic Wrestling, um, we decided to contract some talent. I know we covered this on uh, one of our other episodes. But, you know, let's talk about what we did first. You know, our theory was that if we could find the, the six to ten best wrestlers in New England and get them under a quote-unquote contract where ours was the only place where they could wrestle – Mm-hmm. that the fans who liked these guys would have to come to Chaotic Wrestling to see them. Yes. And as I, I think I went off on a tirade on an early episode <laughs> where, or it might have been when you were our guest on For the Pops and this came up. But um, I actually think that it's, a, looking back, the way we structured it was terrible. But if I were to start a wrestling company today, I'd actually do the exact same thing, is contract the best workers in an area mm-hmm. so that our company would be the only place where we could see them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree. And we had an eclectic group of fellas and a couple of females, I believe. Uh, one female. One female. Yeah. Okay. The other one that came on a little bit later. Correct. Not so much an original. No. But uh, was able to do I, other stuff. I actually I took a few minutes when, when we talked about what we're going to talk, when you told me what we're going to talk about, I, I got the list kind of ready. Yeah. Um. And. And again, I want to let I want to let everybody listening understand how this worked. What we did was we approached these two, four, six, eight or nine people, and what we said was, "Okay, you are ex- exclusive to Chaotic Wrestling." That meant every show, every appearance, every PR event we needed them to do, they would make an appear. They would be there for us. Because of that, they got a flat fee, a monthly fee. We paid them by month. Where once a month you get a check from Chaotic. And mm-hmm. if I remember, those were somewhere between three hundred and seven hundred and fifty dollars, depending on the person. Correct. That's what I remember those numbers being. Mm-hmm. Looking back, like I said, I think it's a great idea if you're running shows every weekend and have a ton of events. Yep. Then it makes sense. Because now yes. in theory I'm paying you five hundred dollars to do ten shows, now I'm paying you fifty bucks a show, plus other stuff. That makes sense and I'm locking you in so nobody else can see you. Right. Where Chaotic shot itself in the foot was we were paying everybody between $300 and $750 a month, and we were running maybe two shows, sometimes one show, a lot mm-hmm. of times no shows. Yes. Yes. I think there was, I think during my contracted time, I think there may have been one month where we had three. May have been. Maybe I, once. I, then, then, but it was... It was not a uh, it was not a common occurrence, so agreed. And if you even look at the landscape today, chaotic, you're guaranteed to see a show every three weeks. So use that logic, and you'd be like, hmm, three hundred to seven hundred and fifty dollars to perform once a month for one company, and that's it. So, well, and remember the early the early thing on us was that we were what what the wrestling industry loves to call money marks, which is. Mm-hmm. You come in with a ton of money and you blow your money on stupid things. In hindsight, I don't think the wrestling industry was wrong about us at first. Right. In I, fact, I yeah, you know, I think we, we were acting like money marks. If uh, 
if I've, I've said this before, if if 2018 Jamie could go back to 2000 and run things differently, I would do a number of things the same, but I would sure and hell do them better. So we weren't going to hemorrhage money like we did. Exactly. So again, exactly. I, I want to bring everybody up to speed on, on how the contracts work because for a while those become the, became the running joke in the industry and the one thing that got us a lot of heat from people in the industry. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, I mean, there's obviously performers that we're going to speak of, but I can speak for myself when I was working for seven different companies at the time, and I called, you know, the other six and said, "Hey, can't do this anymore." Here's why. And I would say five out of the six were like, hey, I completely get it. Money's money. Go do what you're doing. Uh, if it ever ends, you are always welcome to come back. Only one person did not invite me back, let alone even return my call. And that would be Mike Schwada of the WWA. But- uh, that's an entire separate episode of, <laughs> of Mike's Sparta stories. Um, yes. what, what, was it, what, what company was he with again, Rich? Uh, WWA, I believe it was the World Wrestling Alliance. That's right, the WWA. That yes. dude, you want to talk about, and we talk a lot in the, on these podcasts about people who hated Chaotic and people who hate Jamie, because that's yes. just fun to do. But um, I think Mike Sparta may have been the first one to hate us the most. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I heard what he said about me, except without saying it to me, was that I was big-leaguing myself. So, um, of course, that was never said to me in person, but I mean, Mike, uh, real last name, Shuley, his brother, Fred, was a referee for the WWF for right. years. So they did have good contacts and they did the Dr. Tom Pritchard camps and they they brought in some pretty big names and um, all local talent underneath. But uh, yeah, that that well ran dry. But yeah, so out of everybody that uh, I worked for... Um, that was the only one that I couldn't even get a phone call back because I respectfully just wanted to let everybody know, hey, here's what I'm doing and here's why. But he's so, one of those names, Rich, who I still don't know why he hated us so much. Because besides you, who else did we take from him back then? Geez, that's a really good question. Because I don't, I don't think it. it was any of the group we're going to talk about. Because I know like Hollow, Dukes, they were all working for him at that point in time. Aaron yeah, Stevens. You know, and we didn't yeah. take them yet. Yeah, and I can't even I can't even remember what his core roster, you know, circa two thousand was. So um, he just didn't like anybody that ran in general, you know. Right. Very territorial, um, literally very territorial. So, um, but yeah, but I mean, like I said, everybody else from you know the NWA New England's what was left of that after Tony Rumble passed away. I mean, all the way to NECW and Sheldon Goldberg. I mean, it was always doors open anytime you want to come back, which I thought was cool. Because honestly, Jamie, I think a lot of people just were just like, okay, yeah, go do that. We'll see you in a few months. Exactly. You and I were were zeroing in on the same point is that a lot of promoters and a lot of people thought, oh, yeah, these idiot money marks, the way they're burning money, they're not going to be around that long. Right. And, right. you know, but but they they didn't count on the a persistence or perhaps b stupidity of one Jamie Jamikowski and my ability <laughs> to hang around. But you want to talk about wearing out a welcome in an industry. I think I may have set the record. I think, you know, <laughs> of, of people who should have left an industry long before they did. Uh, probably uh, 
me and Adam Sandler, you know, uh, probably <laughs> both should have gotten out of what the hell we were doing a hell of a lot earlier. Mrs. Paladino's favorite actor, like, ever. Loves the Adam Sandler. Really? Oh, I, yes. Two Christmases ago, I hung out with him at Bubby's Ice Cream in Hawaii here. I remember, and I told her. I think I think I saw something on social yeah. media, and I told her, and she was just literally just, like, green with envy. Well, Honest to God. Again, I don't like to cross my, my podcasts, but I, I know <laughs> I know Rich Girl's going to play right about now. But I remember uh, a few years ago, Cheryl and I, my wife and I, we were sitting there's a hotel right up the road from us here in Hawaii. And we're kind of sitting in the lobby on a Sunday night having drinks. And we could kind of see the tables next to us. There was a, a group starting to gather. And they needed more seats. And so first they said, could they borrow one? They said, could they borrow another one? And by the end, it was kind of like this big circle of about 20 of us in the lobby because we all started joking around. And it mm-hmm. was Cheryl and I with Adam Sandler, Kevin James, David Spade, and I forget who the last one was. Uh, just kind of oh hanging out, having my ties in a Hawaiian lobby one night. So, uh, You sure it wasn't Chris Rock? It was not Chris Rock, and it was not Chris <laughs> okay. Farley. I think Farley okay. was dead at that point. But uh, Probably. See, now I uh, now that's that's a great story. But you actually didn't you didn't you tell me that uh, one of my favorite wrestlers from growing up in the eighties that I ended up eventually working with a little bit in ECW, Tommy Rogers? Didn't he work for like a pizza place in yeah. Hawaii or something before he passed? T- Tommy Rogers worked for the pizza place. Um, it was like Boston House of Pizza. No, it wasn't. I'm sorry, that's a different one up here. But he worked for the pizza place right up the street from us. So I remember one night I go in there and I am uh, I was wearing I think I was wearing a Kowalski t-shirt at the time either kowalski one or a chaotic jersey one of my one of my chaotic ones and mm-hmm. the guy behind the the counter he's like oh you like wrestling i'm like yeah blah 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 own a company back home killer kowalski oh yeah you, you know you know don morocco i'm like yeah i said <laughs> i said i remember from when i was a kid oh yeah we know him and like his pictures up on the wall he's like yeah he's done commercials for us i'm like oh that's pretty cool he goes and uh and yeah yeah you you know tommy tommy rogers right is that who it was yes he goes yes. yeah you, you you remember tommy rogers Dude, I had no idea who he was, but the something clicked in my brain. Either you or adult had me remember who it was. It is actually oh. adult because just like this, I go, oh, yeah, Tommy Rogers said, he's fantastic. Ha-ha. Right, little? Right? <laughs> Stole the toe because yes, he was probably attacking the Fantastics. And I go, yeah, who was his partner, Jamie? The other Fantastic. So, uh, there you go. Bobby Fulton. But I was okay, say go Rich, ahead. Rich Burton. No, he was a game <laughs> no, show no. guy. Anyway, so, so uh, the guy goes to me, he goes, oh, you know Tommy Rogers? I go, I go oh, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. He goes, oh, yeah, he's our delivery driver on Thursdays. <laughs> I'm like, great. So if I'd known Rich, I, I would have ordered a, a, a large a large pie on a Thursday, and I could have gotten yeah. a picture with him for you. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Kevin Von Erich has lived in Hawaii for – Many, many years. Um, really? I'm going I'm, I'm to yeah. start stalking these people now. Yeah, actually, I mean, that I, I know that for a fact. He is, I, you know, when you look at the, the, the story of the Von Erichs and everything they've been through, I mean, I, I heard him on a podcast saying, you know, I just needed to get away and, like, start all over. He's, like, the only surviving member of the entire family. Forget about mom and dad, but all the siblings and everything. So, um, but, yeah, so you might into Kevin Von Erich someday. Who knows? I don't know what island he's upon on out there, but uh, I think I think Bret Hart lives out here too now. I, I think Bret really? Hart has a place on like on Maui. You know, I'm Your gonna start with the, like a chaotic legends uh, promotion out here. You, you know, should. you know me, yes. Brett, Von Erich, and uh, and Tommy Rogers can bring us pizza. Well, Tommy Did he passed die? away. 
he yes he did he passed away not awesome. too long after you had told me that he worked at the pizza place and i was yeah but yes well, so, well, 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 then I guess I'm not going to have him deliver pizza. All right. You're not. You're not. So, you're... Rich, Rich, we got way off track. So let's do this. I'm going to take a quick break. <laughs> yes. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the Chaotic Originals, the contracted guys, and how Chaotic Wrestling got started right here on Let the Chaos Begin on the NAI Pop Network. You hear about Chaotic Wrestling's past on Let the Chaos Begin. But if you want to see its present and future, then go to Chaotic Wrestling Live. You can see all the Chaotic Wrestling action live and in person across New England. Go to chaoticwrestling.com slash tickets to see the current schedule of shows and to purchase tickets. It's all the action of Chaotic Wrestling live at chaoticwrestling.com. My name is Jason Maltop. I am Liam Strager. And I'm Bill Neville. And live every Wednesday night on NewAgeInsiders.com and the Mixler app, we're taking topics and thousands of fan perspectives and bringing them to your airwaves. And don't forget, we'll be live and taking your calls before and after every single WWE pay-per-view that we do not attend. But wait, there's more. You can also subscribe to our Patreon page by visiting Patreon.com and searching for New Age Insiders. And with plans starting at just $2 a month, there's an affordable option for everyone. Monday Rewards, Tuesday Rewards, exclusive pay pay-per-view rewards exclusive shows why wouldn't you become a patreon and we will see you wednesday night at eight o'clock we out and welcome back you are listening to let the chaos begin right here on the nai pop network i'm jamie jamikowski from the warm sunny beaches of hawaii with my broadcasting partner i've always wanted to say that rich paladino (laughs) from the third floor of the hampton inn in White Plains, New York. Did I get the hotel right? Uh, Crown Plaza. Crown Plaza, much better. And Rich, you sound better now after we took our yes. break because we connected. We, we fixed a technical error. I thought you had the munchies. I thought you were chewing on some Lay's and some Doritos. <laughs> no, I had my, uh, you know, my my Apple earbuds in with the microphone that hangs right. It was scraping against my uh, T-shirt over here. So uh, we went to the old wireless Bose headphones, and uh, this seems to be working just fine. So let's get to it. Let's talk about the contracted group way way back from the early days of Chaotic Wrestling. And Mm -hmm. I think I have. Did you make a list, Rich? Uh, No, I actually did not. I'm going to go off yours. All right. So according to my memory banks, I believe it was the esteemed Rich Palladino, Mm -hmm. Gino Martino, Ali Muhammad, Master Sandy, Ronnie Delicious, Edward G. Ecstasy, Short Sleeve Samson, and Tiny the Terrible. Um, Those okay. were, I believe, the original eight who we contracted. Huh. See, I didn't think that Tiny was contracted. I knew Short Sleeve was. Well, we'll talk about Tiny the Terrible because I'm definitely going to lean on you to tell some background on Tiny. Then I'll tell some Tiny stories. And we'll, we'll tell the story of how, yeah, Tiny was one of the original contracts. He was also the first person to get fired from a Chaotic Wrestling contract. Sounds about right, but I think I think we left one off the list, so I'm just going to spit it out okay. here. Kyle Storm. Kyle Storm came right after. Kyle Storm and Louis Ortiz came in. They were the second two who came in together. Okay. But we're going to talk about them as part of this group. Had. Yeah. What a series of matches those guys had. But yes, okay. So we're good. Yeah, I don't so the, think there was anybody else. Those were the original 10. So now, Rich, talk a little bit about, because I wasn't around yet. Like, 
who were these guys? Where did we get them? Where were they all kind of working in the area before Chaotic scooped them all up? So most of these gentlemen um, were in uh, mostly Rhode Island mainstays. Um, Ronnie D., um, who very well may have been the mayor of Providence at one point, <laughs> uh, the Federal Hill section. Ronnie Delicious, a.k.a. Ronnie DeMaria, um, he was the most established of all. He had actually worked for um, the Savoldis in ICW or IWCCW, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, as the Star Warrior. So he had put in several years at that point um, and was probably the most veteran of all those. Um, the, um, Edwards G ecstasy, uh, Andy Vale, um, I had never seen him work before until I got to chaotic, um, master Sandy. I knew of, she was up in Maine, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I believe she lived up there and then, uh, Gino and, uh, Ali Muhammad, AKA the late Anthony Rufo, Gino, those two had done more throughout New England, um, southeastern Massachusetts uh, for Ali and a lot of Rhode Island stuff. Gino had been all around. Gino uh, worked for Tony Rumble, um, who broke me in uh, in NWA New England. Um, and who else was on the list? Short Sleeve Samson. I, had, uh, I hadn't met until Chaotic. Um, so I really didn't know enough about him, but he was also from the state of Rhode Island, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, who else was on that list? Tiny, the terrible. And tiny was also, might've also been the mayor of Providence tiny, at one point. Tiny's going to get his own little section on this show. So, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> what you're hitting on is again, we bought, um, we, we bought chaotic world wrestling. I found his last name. Tom Davidson was mm. the name of the guy we bought chaotic world wrestling from before we turned into uh, Chaotic Wrestling. The reason I know that, I went on Wikipedia earlier this week, and somebody has changed the Chaotic Wrestling entry to say it was founded by Tom Davidson and some other guy, kid, maybe Kid Anarchy, if that sounds vaguely familiar. Oh, no, not to me, but um, I'm hearing you. So, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm so, so from Tom. So the thing is, in a lot of the stuff we were doing back then, it was all happening down in Rhode Island. Um, you know, we our first ring we rented from Anthony Rufo, which came out of Rhode Island. Where we would tape all of our in Rich, you'll remember the early days of us doing the um the the t- the TV tapings down there, of uh, mm-hmm. you doing the stand up promos in front of this horrific. It was a white vinyl banner with <laughs> two big letters CW and then chaotic wrestling dot underneath school, it. Yes, yes, right. And if you yeah. remember, that would be when you, we would go down there and you'd do the interviews with a microphone that wasn't hooked up to anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we still do that sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah. But, um, but all that was happening down, down in Rhode Island. Yeah. What was that? Was that – where would we do that? Was that the Barton Street? <gasps> yes, it was. The okay. Barton Street Gym or something like that. Barton Street something in Pawtucket. Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Yes. That's absolutely right, and, yeah. And we had chaotic wrestling tryouts there, which might be another episode. We did what for that? We had we had like indie performers from New England, like established guys. Because because I, I I remember Ken Doan coming down. 
like a oh, 16 God. or 17 year old Ken Phoenix, Kenny Doan, Kenny of the Spirit Squad, just come came back from a one week tour of Australia with Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore. I mean, I remember him coming down and trying out, and that's when we met Seriously. guys like Jimmy Cash and Vince Vical. We did something at Barton Street, and I don't. I wasn't there for any of this. Okay, I know Randy was. Of course, I know he Randy was. was. But um, yeah, so we had like a thing, and I remember myself and Kyle Storm and a couple of other folks like sitting at a table, and they were basically like having matches right there and getting feedback. I mean, I was probably just sitting there, you know, just to just to pass time. But I, I love um... the fact, like we discussed on the last episode, I was on. We were talking about the ownership that Randy Miller was with us for right around two years. So here we have this baby company less than two years old, and we're we're so pompous that we're going to hold tryouts for people. And people came. Yes, they sure did. Vince Vicalo came in his black Corvette with Jimmy Cash. But, Unbelievable. Um, yeah, that happened because I, I also recall that we, uh, Anthony Rufo um, had a company called IIW, International Independent Wrestling, even though it was never really run outside of Rhode Island and southeastern Massachusetts, uh, but it was international independent wrestling. And um, we, when Chaotic first started, we kind of did stuff with them, whether it was having some Chaotic guys on their shows out of Pawtucket. Um, but I remember specifically doing a show in my hometown of Franklin at Dean College. And it was pretty much an IIW show, IIW slash Chaotic show. Um, so, I mean, that's, I'm probably going way off topic here, but. I don't remember that either, though. Yeah, no, we had a deep-rooted partnership with um, Anthony, uh, specifically, probably because as you hit the nail on the head with, you know, first stuff doing in Rhode Island was with their, with his ring and whatever. So I think there was some kind of natural synergy there because I think I think Randy was probably more the core of that relationship um, is the way I would view it. Right. Um, but, but anyways, I, I digress because I think once I got on board and I said, well, Hey, these guys are great, but geez, have you ever heard of these guys, you know, <laughs> a little bit more North of Providence, right. specifically Boston area. And that's when I started, you know, bringing in some of the guys that I knew from right. the Tony Rumble and Killer Kowalski days. But, but anyways, that's, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the background on everybody there. Yeah, and so now we I, we start about start talking about some of the individuals. Some I'll talk about a little bit more than others. You know, I, I sure. want to start with with Gino Martino, who to this oh. day, Gino's probably one of my favorite people I've I've yeah, met. Same here in the industry. Same here, the uh, Guinness Book of World Records renowned Gino Martino, because you know those feats of strength. It yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. For, for people who you don't know, know, like Gino's legitimately known worldwide. Because he has, like, the world's hardest head. Is that right, Rich? Yeah, and I, I can't remember if it was, I think, Stan Lee's Superhumans or something. But they remember we did all kinds of stuff at the school with Gino. There's he, there's a great clip of that. And th but this is much later, because now you're jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead literally 16 years well, but, or, but, or 15 but, years. But the moral of the story is what we're, what we're getting to is that Gino Martino – like clinically has one of the hardest skulls of 
right. any human in the world. I mean, that's that's where I was going with all that. I mean, it's it. I mean, yeah, like what, what is, and we we can't talk about the contracted guys. We can't talk about Gino without talking about Gino's brother Joey. Okay, because ah, I think what everybody has to has to realize is as we start to talk about this, as we start to remember now, Rich, mm-hmm. like we were really I don't like to use the word click because it was that was used ad nauseum by somebody else. <laughs> but we were really kind of a close knit group. I remember for those original guys, Gino's brother, Joey, he owned an embroidery business. And he made us all now remember this was early 2000s. These were much cooler than they're going to sound now. <laughs> but like like a high school sports team would have their their satin pullover warm up jackets. We had those in black with the chaotic logo and we all had one. That was actually part of the deal when you signed, you got a chaotic windbreaker. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you signed would make a t shirt, which I know we talked about those those uh before. So like when we start talking about all these guys, like all the shows we were doing, all the appearances we were doing, I'm gonna talk about some of those. We were all always together trying to get this new crazy thing off the ground. And mm-hmm. if – and I'm going to make a horrible comparison that, again, but when WWE kind of took off, WWF took off, it was kind of always Vince and Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. I think when Chaotic Wrestling took off, it was really perceived as – it was Randy Miller on the office side and Gino Martino on the talent side. Absolutely. You, you know, Gino was our key guy helping mm-hmm. get all this off and running. You know, he and his brother, he, they were getting us everything from the ring aprons to the banners to the jackets. To Gino was actually helping us get venues at that point in time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Gino, Gino was pretty much the face of the company. I mean, ended up becoming our heavyweight champion, I believe, on two separate occasions. Um, and, of course, he and Anthony were the Millennium Killers, so... That was actually the first uh, that any any first time chaotic fans had seen Gino was the Millennium Killers, and they used to have uh, great tag team wars with the One Night Stand. Um, Correct. Which I believe either Pants or Mucko said the only reason they ever came back after the very first show was because of those matches. Right, because of Gino and Ali versus versus Ronnie and Andy, the one-night stand. I know we've yes. talked about Ronnie and Andy in the past. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Ronnie and Andy, at that point in time, they were kind of our... They they looked like wrestlers. You know, yes. say what you want about Ronnie. He always looked like a million bucks. He was Italian. He was tanned. He was a good-looking fella. He presented himself as a star. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy, big guy. I think it's under underappreciated how big Andy actually was. Mm-hmm. But but they were entertaining, and I was reading, uh, as I was researching for today, I read the old Boston Magazine article on Chaotic Wrestling, and um, uh, the phrase was used about Ron and Andy, the ambiguously gay tag team, the one night stand. Oh, like the skit on Saturday Night Live, it, it, ambiguously gay duo. Yes, yes. but, but that, that, that was a phrase they used, was ambiguously gay tag team of... Of the one night stand, and oh, remember two gentlemen in, in leopard print, you know leopard print, too. or then they moved to hot pink. They and came, they out, came to the, out to the "I Touch Myself" by the Divinals, which to this day that song can't come on the radio, and I still think <laughs> of Ronnie and Andy. Of course, eighteen years later, I remember yeah. you, and we we told the story I think on a previous podcast. Yeah, we did on the ownership one. 
you know, you can go back, go back and listen to that on uh, in the For the Pops archives at this point, or the uh, Let the Guests mm-hmm. Begin archives, where we talked about the, uh, um, the, the 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 falling out that we had um, with the one night stand, and there was a stretch of time where our fans were dying for them to come back to the company, dying for yeah. them to come back to the company, and then I remember yeah. this was a few years later, one night when Methuen, Massachusetts, and we'd actually booked Kevin Matthews. Oh yeah, who I know has made a name for himself more recently, yeah, and an, we an impact. all made a big error where whenever somebody new would come in, would always check their entrance music. Usually, we would check it for things like cursing or that kind of stuff because I was very concerned about that stuff after I'd taken over the company. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, that night none of us checked his music, and for you kids out there. Rich, you'll remember this. What wrestlers used to have to do when they would be booked with us, they'd have to bring a CD of their music. Oh, yeah. So they would bring a CD, would put it into the CD player, and that's how we would play their entrance music. Well, I forget who he was wrestling against. His opponent goes out there. Next thing you know, we hit his music, and it was Divinals, I Touch Myself. <laughs> and I will never forget sitting in Methuen, and the crowd erupts. And Kevin Matthews comes out, and the crowd deflates. And we're yeah. all staring at each other. I remember Ben Lentini was there. I was there. I think at the time, Mary, Mary, our sound broad, that was her nickname. Yes. Sound broad. That was, we're all staring at yeah. each other going, didn't anybody check his effing music? <laughs> we just played One Night Stands music. So even years oh. later, fans were still remembering One Night oh Stand God. and their music because yeah. they were that unique. Yes. Yep. And it really was. We had a really fun, cool group. Of a traveling circus. So, you know, you got, and I'm, I'll just defend everybody. You got the, the big Italian meathead with, with a skull made of stone. We kind of skipped over that, Rich. But, again, for people who don't know Gino, like, one of his things was his brother Joey would stand, like, four feet above him and drop a 10-pin bowling ball on, uh, a bowling ball on like, his head. Yeah, a 10-pound right? bowling ball, yeah, yes. Ten, and then, like, he'd put a nail on a 2 by 4 and bash it in with his head. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, like, I mean, like break cinder break blocks, right? With his head. Yeah, but there would be a board. Now, picture for those of you listening as I'm describing this. Um, picture like a two by four with say eight or ten nails, and Gino would come over and hammer those nails into the board with his head. And I'm not talking like a little nail, like hanging up a picture on the wall. I'm talking like thick, like like a spike. Yeah, yeah, and he would just bash him with his head and he'd be bleeding from the head and could care less i mean that's that was yeah i mean you said you're going to offend everybody but yeah that was our you you said our traveling right. circus our traveling sideshow we had a strong man yeah so, so we got him then we got the the good looking good looking guido guy from providence we got ronnie d we got the bald wrestling looking guy edward g we got ali muhammad who was who was African-American, but huge. Who do you look like, Rich? Um, A lot of people, uh, there was one promoter that actually called him Abby Jr., said he was kind of reminiscent to an Abdullah the Butcher because he was of of, uh, dark skin and bald and probably 380 to 400 pounds. Yeah. And, you know, you know, there was one local promoter that referred to him as Abdullah Jr. Because that's, yeah, that's what he he looked like, Abdullah the Butcher. So yeah, as he we start, would also bleed, and he would do hardcore stuff. Oh, and, oh yes, horrible days. Oh. So <laughs> now, now for people listening, they're starting to get a picture of what this group looked like. Now let's add two midgets. 
Of right? course. Little people. Hey, what? Little people. What? Seriously? I got to call them little All right. Now right. add to little people. Um, right. Short sleeve Samson, who of everybody from the original roster, short sleeve Samson has probably made the biggest name for himself without anybody knowing who he is <laughs> in a weird way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, he good. You you can probably talk about what he's done since then better than I can. Oh well, I mean he's he is literally to this day like touring the country, touring North America. Um, and in I'll just I'm just going to say midget because it's going to be too hard to to differentiate for the entire broadcast here. But um, like micro championship wrestling, there's a, an entire roster of midget wrestlers and. There was there was a TV series of maybe five or six years ago about this promotion and everything that went into it. And honestly, about three, four years ago, Short Sleeve reached out to me to see if I wanted to come do a tour of Canada. They wanted really? me to come in and be the ring announcer. Yeah, but it was going to be one of those like it was literally like a two week tour. And um, because of their being heightenedly challenged they Wait, what, really what, what did you just say heighten heightenly height jesus heightenly. all right heightenly challenged yeah you can believe that i mean you can i'm read, not believing anything this if, of course not but because of their shorter stature um they couldn't drive like the big ring truck so i would be the ring announcer and be <laughs> driving like the ring truck so not only was it going to be nearly impossible for me to get out of my real job for say 14 to 16 days. But I was also going to be driving in the wilds of Canada um, with an entire group of midget wrestlers, um, you know, and it was just, I, I, I passed on it. It was decent money, believe me, but it also would have been hard to leave home and work. Forgot about that family. I have at home too, but you know, it just would not have been best for but, business. But how epic say. would that have been? You on tour with a bunch of little people across Canada. Right? I know. Oh, Rich, that I would know. have been legendary. Oh, I will never forget the conversation. Now, I will say, I did see Danny, a.k.a. Shortsleeve, um, this past April in New Orleans. Okay. So he is still out there, still very relevant. Um, I work with a company called Title Match Wrestling which is a YouTube channel that has over like 80,000 subscribers. I, I go to WrestleCon every year and I do interviews. It's another paying gig, something I can add to my resume. While Title Match's table was right next to Short Sleeves. So we got to nice. reconnect and talk about the old days. It was great. I mean, we, we spent like two days just hanging out, shooting the shit, just talking about how great everything was. And even like, remember the year before, I ran into April Hunter right. at WrestleCon. So, but anyways, I digress. But, but yeah, he, but you know, you know who else saw short sleeve so... recently was a uh, former chaotic wrestling referee, Todd Sinclair. He was down oh. doing some spots for Ring of Honor, and and short sleeve was on one of the shows, and short sleeve requested uh, fat pants to, to to ref his match for him. And this is just in the last like three or four months. I may have actually been out here when uh, when Todd texted me. But but oh, the wow. other thing short sleeve did was he used to get a lot of spots with WWE too. So when you say, would say he's portrayed so many different characters, correct, correct. Yeah. Anytime they needed to do that, that little person spot with the with the fake Bret Hart, a fake Shawn Michaels, a fake Vader, a lot of times they were using they were using short sleeve. Yeah, Kurt Angle, Undertaker. He's done so many different 
portrayals in WWE. Um, just amazing. Amazing. So, and, yeah, I mean, another and, part of our big circus. And I've it's... purposely been building this to, like, getting to the last two. So then we get to Tiny the Terrible. <laughs> who, Tiny the Terrible, also, he was an, he, he, he was an African-American little person. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that Short Sleeve Samson, to this day, Danny, one of the nicest, most professional guys, as you said. I've texted with him. I've reached out to him for other promotional things since then. I love him. Great guy. Nothing but nice. Um, Tiny the Terrible was like the bizarro version (laughs) of of Short Sleeve Samson. Um, If you want to talk about a dude who's a train wreck, Tiny the Terrible is probably a great example. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rich, maybe you can answer this question since, as we shared, my former partner Randy won't even acknowledge me anymore. Where in the hell did we find Tiny? Rhode Island Indies, because he and his brother, um, who is also an African-American midget, used to wrestle each other throughout New England. Tiny the Terrible and his half-brother, I mean his brother, who went by the name Half Nelson. Not a full Nelson, a half Nelson. They were legitimate brothers, and they used to wrestle each other and beat the holy hell out of each other. Um for years now i'll go off the script here for a second and just mention this probably almost two years ago i john walters and myself um were at a show in pawtucket rhode island at mccoy stadium where the pawtucket red sox play uh we were there for big time wrestling uh, was doing one of their outdoor shows and the people that ran the uh, McCoy Stadium, they wanted a special attraction match. They didn't want a women's match. They wanted a midget match. And it was Tiny against his brother. And this was in 2016. He's still alive? Exactly. Yes. And because I remember like walking into the the locker room, which is basically the clubhouse uh, where where the Pawtucket Red Sox, you know, change and all that. And I walked in, and there's Tiny and his brother, whose real name escapes me right now. But, um, yeah, honest to God, they wrestled each other. It was not a good match, but it was entertaining because it was a special attraction match. And I, I was just blown away. I was just like you. I was blown away that it was those two against each other. The, the two things I remember, the two stories I remember most about Tiny are um, – Tiny actually had a, he was in the WWE loop for a little while as well. When they needed yeah, he, a, a different um, little person, mm-hmm. Tiny was in their rotation for a while. Then yeah. I have no doubt that he probably burnt a bridge or did something stupid and got thrown out at some point. <laughs> is, is, if I remember the story correctly. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I don't have the backstory on but, that. But, but the two things I remember most about Tiny, number one, is Tiny would tell the most vulgar stories from backstage at WWE. Vulgar. Be, and I will never forget. There was one he he's telling me. I remember where we were sitting. And he's sitting there going to me. He's like, oh, yeah, man. Like, uh, last time I was I was backstage at WWF and uh, China. And remember the cat, um, Lawler's ex-girlfriend, Stacey Carter? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
And I quote, I'm actually going to censor myself a little bit. Well, yeah, <laughs> China had China had two fingers up, up the cat's hoo-ha. It was walking around like she was a Muppet with her. And I'm like staring at him like, that's not true. Right. That story's right. not that's... true. And I don't <laughs> know what bothers me more, that, that you're telling me the story that's obviously not true, or what in your warped mind put that together as a story oh my god oh that's just that's awful and and then the other one was rich do you remember way back in the day you hosted a chaotic barbecue once at your house oh we're gonna go down that road i sure did you hosted a barbecue at your house yes and do you have like a little bit of a hill in your backyard Uh, i have a a good size backyard, but yeah, there it's it's got a, a slope to it. Yeah, it's like an incline. Yeah. yeah. And at one point, my wife, she was probably my fiance at the time, Cheryl, and I were sitting on the hill. I forget who the other person was, who was there. Um, I want to say it might have been Joey or Gino, one of them. We're all just kind of sitting there having a having a beer, having a having a burger and a beer, as it were. And who sits down next to my wife, but Tiny the Terrible? Oh man. And look, uh, some of you listen to our podcast, you, you kind of get an idea of my lifestyle. You notice I don't talk a lot about my wife when it comes to wrestling because she knew wrestling was my thing. She let me have have that part of my life. And she wasn't super involved. She was always supportive but not involved. Um, I think Tiny the Terrible is the reason why she was never involved. <laughs> because after a few minutes of Tiny talking about whatever... And I, now that my memory's starting to come back, I'm 95% sure it was Joey Ferraro, Gino's brother, who literally walked over to, to, to Tiny and said, yeah, all right, you need to go now. Picked him up and moved him. And <laughs> Cheryl turns to me and goes, don't ever let that man sit near me again. And I just laughed out loud. Because oh. Tiny, the, the one of the creepiest bastards you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah, because and, that same day, uh, first of all, I didn't. I don't want to say I didn't invite. I didn't invite he and and his brother was with him too. And, yeah, and, but Anthony Rufo just brought them. So you didn't and, not invite them, but at the same time, you didn't know they were showing up. Is that what you're saying? Let's just say I didn't have either one of them on speed dial. Oh. Okay, so I just knew of them from shows, but I wasn't like. You know, I would tell I told you and Gino and and whomever. I mean, there, there was a lot of people there, but it, it wasn't the entire roster. Well, it was a lot of the roster. But anyways, I didn't expect them to show up. Well, when he when Tiny walked in, he was like. Like, and, and I don't know, this is going to come off awful, but I, I have a decent sized house and I have a pretty good sized yard, which actually used to be my father-in-law's farm. So, you know, I I basically have a large yard and a decent-sized house. And he was like, "Oh, Mr. Paladino, you know, you ever need you ever need somebody to come over and mow your lawn, you know, you let me know." And, and uh, he goes, "Maybe you need a lawn chucky, you know, like those little things people used to have." Like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this actually but it was so over the top, like, um, like just like, oh, Mr. Paladino, oh, Mr. Rich, I should be, I, I, I guess, I guess you must be the money behind chaos. I mean, it was embarrassing, like to the point where my wife was tremendously 
uncomfortable, tremendously uncomfortable, um, just because he kept making references like that. Like, oh, do you want to hire me? I could, I could do this for you. I could wash your car and all this stuff. It was, it was very, like you said, creepy. But I will say the highlight is the fact that my mother-in-law, who was oh right God. off the boat from Italy, both my in-laws, my, my, my mother and father-in-law, literally from Italy, off the boat, moved here, had a, have a great life and wonderful people. My mother-in-law comes over with, she had literally, she had heard that there were two African-American midgets in my backyard <laughs> and whipped up like some pasta, some meatballs and a calzone and brought them over because I turned to, I turned to Lisa and I said, what's your mother doing here? And she said, she wanted to see the midgets in them. <laughs> It's terrible, but it actually happened. And I will say that that had to be, that was probably 2001. I have not had a wrestling cookout since. So, oh my um, God. Oh, yeah, no, I just love it. That is, I just that love that your, that your old yep. Italian mother-in-law brought a calzone over because she wanted yep. to see the black midgets. Yes. Since, since the children were born, she's affectionately known as Nana. Nana came oh, over with Nana. calzone. I mean, she made like two or three things. Because she had heard because oh. and she lives up the street. So, I mean, that's it's just it's just natural that word like that travels fast that not only do I have, you know, 20 or 30 professional wrestlers in my backyard, but that there were a couple of midgets. As well. I, I just now pictures like it's like, <laughs> like it's a Golden Girls episode where she went back and like I just see her writing at her desk back to back home there in yeah. Rosa today. I am better to black midgets. I brought them a calzone. Then, a calzone. He, then he offered me uh, some crack, you know? <laughs> but honest to God, it was like after that, oh after that day, he, Tiny had just made, made myself and my wife just feel so uncomfortable. But I will say, I mean, it's been 18 years and, you know, he's never driven by my house or i i have a or, question or mo- are you what? and lisa sure he's not still living somewhere in your house <laughs> like do you ever I get up I on a have... do you ever get up on a saturday and maybe see like something has moved on a counter or maybe a, <laughs> a, a door you thought was shut is open again i actually think tiny could be living like harry potter in like the the the, the cabinet under your stairs for the past 18 years yeah, you know what? I'm not. I'm not even going down that road. I'm just going to blame it on my dogs. That's all. Uh, well, it's moved. Well, Rich, b- before we go to break, I, I want to bring up the last person on the roster, the originals. Then we'll mm. come back. We'll talk about some of the additions and some of the the high points of that group. Um, sure. Is is Master Sandy, where mm-hmm. she was in? Uh, she was in an MTV special with Tony Atlas from Maine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, was it True Life? Uh, I believe so. About uh, anybody got a telephone? Yeah, that was. Right. Uh, it was like it was something about True Life, uh, the story of professional wrestling. It was an MTV special, way yeah. back in the day, and yeah. Sandy was, um, she was a, 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 a I don't want to say a big woman because I'm not talking like a a Nia Jax or a, or a Kong. No, like bodybuilder. She was like a bodybuilder, and yeah. she was ripped, oh, yeah. and she oh, was yeah. jacked, yep. and. Sandy was probably one of the nicest, and I even she's still alive. I'm, I'm using past tense at the time, but San, Sandy was one of the nicest, um, most loving, caring people you've ever met. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if you said to me, 
Jamie, you're going to be in a bar fight, and you need one person from that original roster on your side. <laughs> Some people might think I'd pick the guy with the hard head. Some people think I might pick Ronnie D. The the the, the no, I'd pick Master <laughs> Sandy seven days a week. Because make yes. no mistake, I truly believe she could kill somebody and not blink an eye. Oh, she uh, yeah, without a doubt. But like you said, one of the nicest, sweetest, most wonderful people like just to be around and. I think we paired her up with the one night stand and you want to talk about a perfect connection right there because my God, God bless Sandy. She, she wasn't, she, she didn't have an effeminate look. She didn't have a feminine look to her. Um, she had long flowing hair, um, was a little rough looking, was jacked out of her mind, was ripped Mm -hmm. like crazy Mm -hmm. and had a voice like she smoked six packs a day. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> right? She did have a deep voice. Yes. So she had a deep voice. Like She sounded like one of uh, Marge's sisters. But, <laughs> but, but nice. So, you know, to, to kind of paint every the, everybody the picture now, you know, as we head into the break, then we'll come back and tell a few more stories about this group with us. Mm-hmm. You've now got a picture. We're starting to run shows. I've painted the picture in the past of Randy Miller, who he was, uh, he was former military, kind of a short guy. I, I would say Randy was kind of built like a bulldog. Is that fair? Yeah, Randy yeah, he was, was not a tall gentleman by any means. Randy was but... bu- built like a bulldog with the attitude to match. You had me, who was obviously not any of that. You've got an Abdullah clone, the guy with the hard head, uh, the the Italian pretty boy, the the bald <laughs> Irish guy, two midgets, <laughs> and this woman who looks like she could rip your head off. Plus Rich, <laughs> and me, and Milo. <laughs> and after shows, we'd all walk into a bar in our matching mm-hmm. satin windbreakers. Yes, and in Methuen, if if we did a, I can't, I believe it was if we did a show in, on a Saturday night in Methuen, we could go from the room that we wrestled in and go to the bar next door in the same building and do karaoke. Which oh my! I was, sure. Oh, oh my God! Yes, several times. So you but, know when we would run in different places, like we're running in Worcester, Methuen. If there wasn't a bar near, if there wasn't a bar attached, we'd find a local place, mm-hmm. and we would all go out together. And again, yeah. it sounds weird now, but you gotta understand one thing I will say about that group. And you know, we'll talk about like we said, Kyle Storm and Louis Ortiz. They came in. I keep saying they're the second group. We're talking like two or three shows in. They were in this mix <laughs> sure. as well, so it's not that much of a difference. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But you gotta Agreed. remember. It goes back to the whole Vince thing of he wants wrestlers to look like wrestlers. I can't say we all looked like wrestlers. Um, I know a lot of people love that movie that came out. I think it was just about a year ago. um, The Greatest Showman about P.T. Barnum, Mm. where it was all about his early days with, for lack of a better phrase, all the circus freaks. Um, Say what you want about us, Rich. When we would walk into a venue for a show... Or we would all walk into a bar or a restaurant after a show. Or if we were doing, I'll tell the story after the break about the Lauren Wally radio show we all did. Or if we were doing a Toys for Tot signing. Say what you want. When we all walked in together, people would look up, people would look up and say, wow, who the hell are they? They must be right. somebody. Right. Yeah. Not This is not just a run-of-a-mill gra- gang of friends that are just out carousing on a Saturday night. 
like, nope, the circus is in town. Correct. Here they come. Y- you might not know it's a pro wrestling show. You might think maybe it's a maybe it's a band, maybe it's a freak show. We don't know what it is, but right. it's something, and we want to find out more. And I actually think that's one of the things that helped Chaotic Wrestling get some traction early was at the very least, we were unique. We all kind of hung together, and we presented this is Chaotic Wrestling we are chaotic wrestling, and we really were everywhere we went. Oh yeah, without a doubt, twenty four seven. So twenty four seven. So what I'm gonna do, Rich, is I'm gonna say we're gonna come back after a quick break, and when we come back, I know we were both talking. We have a few stories we'll tell from the early days. I know people love when we talk story on this um, from some of our first shows. I know we both have a couple. Um, we'll talk about Louie and uh, and Kyle, their run of matches, and we'll kind of wrap up talking about the the original chaotic crew the contracted crew when we come back you are listening to let the chaos begin with rich paladino and jamie jamikowski right here on the nai pop network are you a wrestling fan but you've always wanted to get in the ring do you want to follow in the footsteps of superstars like donovan dijak and flip gordon then check out the new england pro wrestling academy at the nepwa you can live your wrestling dreams and train at the best pro wrestling school in the Northeast. Check out neprowrestling.com for information on joining and about their upcoming fantasy camp. It's neprowrestling.com. Start your pro wrestling dreams today. Are you looking for a way to spice up your life? Maybe add some fun and excitement to the bedroom. Then check out BigOBoutique.com for everything you're looking for. Whether you want to shop for pretty lingerie and pajamas or are looking for sensual lotions and toys to try out, Big O Boutique has exactly what you need. And don't worry, our online store is easy to use and will help you find all the right tools for you and your partner. We carry a huge assortment of lingerie, lotions, and more, all shipped discreetly to your door. As a special offer for the POPs listeners, enter code POPs at checkout to save 10% on your order. That's P-O-P-S to save 10%. So go to BigOBoutique.com today. That's BigOBoutique.com. Hey everyone, this is Jamie from the For the POPs podcast. You know, on our show, you hear me talk all the time about Undercoverwear, Chaotic Wrestling, and a lot of the other companies I've started or worked for. Over the course of my 20-plus year career, I've helped dozens of businesses and literally thousands of individuals reach their personal and financial dreams. And you know what? Now I want to help you. If you have a small business, a family-owned company, or maybe just a great business idea, reach out to me. Maybe you're looking for a job but need some help with your search or rewriting your resume. Just let me know. Who knows, maybe you're a pro wrestler or a pro wrestling promoter who needs some tips on growing your role in the industry. Well, I can help. Check out our website. It's ohanane.com. That's O-H-A-N-A-N-E.com. Or just go to forthepops.com and follow the link at the top of the page. My company, Ohana Enterprises, we offer everything from individual coaching to marketing packages to website design and even more. Our only goal is to give small businesses and individuals the boost you need to succeed. So check us out at ohanane.com 
and let us help you make your dreams a reality. It's midget time. When the sleeves come off, back off. Before your thoughts better run before you're done. Nigga, I'm sure sleep. Samsung champion. I'm the rain. Pulls a fill of sink. I'm as full of swings when the bell goes ding. All right, welcome back to the Let the Chaos Begin podcast and Jamie J. Mikowski and myself, Rich Paladino. We have been talking about the Chaotic Originals, and uh, I don't know if we could get into any more of the psyche or personalities of the misfits that made up our uh, our island over here, but, uh, you know, we, we when we headed into the break, we said we're going to tell some uh, some fun stories, some interesting stories and maybe you know touch on a few more names that were also part of part of the uh yeah the group you know maybe not the original eight or ten but no and some others in in hawaii we call this now now we're just going to talk story okay we're going to talk story talk story that's going to talk story you and and again rich i'll I'll jump off with you know i know i know we're gonna talk about kyle and louie in a minute i know they're on your list i want to talk about we've we've talked a little bit about the, the famous shriners auditorium show that was our first show. Where? Why'd you go? Oof! Why'd Just because it why, was a building why, that could hold why, six. Why, we talked about this. It was why, a building that could hold like five thousand people, and we had what two hundred and fifty? About two fifty. I think two thirty-five, two thirty-six was the number that jumps out in my head. Yeah, that's that's like it's, that. The only reason I say oof, yeah, is because of that. It's just two, a big. Two thirty-five would have looked great in the low PAV. Oh. Without a doubt. D- doesn't. Without a doubt. That's the only reason I said oof. So. D- doesn't look that great. But do you remember the big thing? The two things I remember from that night is we talked about it before the break. Uh, short Sleeve and and, uh, and and Tiny the Terrible, they competed in a match that night. Do you remember that match, Rich? Was it the ladder match? It was a ladder match. Yes. But do you remember the type of ladder we bought? Uh, it was like a little ladder. We bought a step stool. Yes. Because if you're going to do a midget ladder match, you have to have a midget ladder. Yes. And? So, so I remember it was, it, it was it was horrific. It was just a train wreck. <laughs> you know, Tiny Terrible, you've said it. Every time, he, he was awful. So What was hanging above the ring? It was a title. Was it the light heavyweight? Yes, I think it was light heavyweight. Or, okay. Rich, did we have a midget no. title at that point? I think it was when, because this was my first show. Yes. Um, I think I think Short Sleeve was our midget champion. And then as time went on, I think we rechristened it the light heavyweight. Yes. Oh, boy. Somehow, that's not going to make any sense to anybody listening right now. But it was the midget title. And if I don't, if, I can't remember who it was. Who was pulling on it? So we had so, the belt. So what we we have the sorry, belt. We had the championship title. We have the championship have the title anymore. barely hanging above the ring because yeah. it's a midget match. Remember, I want everyone remember just how clever we were back then. Ha ha ha! It's a ladder <laughs> match with midgets, so we're going to use a step waka, stool. Waka 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 waka, and it's only hanging at about you know six feet off the ring because ha ha, we're making fun of them because they're short. <laughs> and then right as we go to the finish of this train wreck, short sleeve is climbing the little three steps and the yep. belt starts going up. Yeah. Was it the one night stand? It was the one night stand who were off. 
up, who were pulling on the rope to raise it up so the midget couldn't reach the belt. It's it's still funny. It's still it funny. Though? 18 years later, it's yes, I'm picturing it right now. I need the footage because, oh dear God, you know what we haven't even talked about is the fact that we were actually on television. We were for all of this. We were on. <laughs> Rich, I'm going to let you say it because you do, do it better. Oh, WUNI 27 Wooster Boston. It was uh it was a, it was a uh, Univision. It was a Spanish uh, station. Spanish channel af- affiliate. Yeah. So it was Channel 27 in Worcester, WHLL, but it was TV 27 and the the Spanish announcer would say Wooster Boston. And yeah, and we were on like Saturday nights at like 1:30 in the morning. And the worst part is I don't know if anybody knows this, we were paying for that spot too. So we were paying like 300 bucks a week. To air on the yep. station that nobody watched. Yep, but I will say one night, this is the God honest truth, one night I was in Faneuil Hall with all my buddies yeah. on a Friday night, and it was getting close to closing time, and we convinced the um, the bartender to put the TV on Channel 27, Wooster Boston, because I think it was 1 a.m., like yep. Friday nights, and uh, I had an entire bar watching Chaotic Wrestling because, well, hey, I really wanted to put myself over that I was on TV and two figure any exposure is good exposure. Now I'm not saying we sold any tickets out of that. No, but yeah, we, we were a late night, definitely a late night. Uh, but, but I'm we glad you brought it up, Rich, Be- yeah. because again, though, this goes back to what we talk about all the time on our, on this podcast. When we go back to the early days, chaotic wrestling in the early days was, it was a cross between the PT Barnum and the wizard of Oz. Meaning, don't look behind the curtain. And the P.T. Barnum aspect of we can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time. And Mm -hmm. what we did was by just the fact that we were paying for TV, it it allowed us to say with swagger, yeah, we've got TV. None of these other people do. So when we're trying to attract talent, now all of a sudden we're saying – We'll give you guaranteed contracts. We've got TV. We've got a solid schedule. So even we'll give you a satin pullover. <clears throat> satin pullover. That I think that's what got most people to sign. Um, but but you know again, it contributed to the overall package of what we were presenting, and that's what started to piss off all these other promoters is mm-hmm. they couldn't compete with us because the other thing we were really good at, and this was both Randy and I is once we locked something in, we would lock it down and not let other people do it. So mm-hmm. nobody else was getting on whatever that TV station was, Channel 27. Nobody mm-hmm. else was getting into um, the, the Worcester Armory, the Methuen Knights of Columbus. As lame as that sounds to some people now, if you go back in time, we were fighting for venues. We were all fighting to get seen. Mm-hmm. And if you had somebody who could lock up these venues... We were hurting other people by taking talent, by taking TV time, and by taking venues. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the reasons why people hated us. But that was that was one of my favorite things. Cause, and because I still remember now, because we filmed for TV. Now mm-hmm. we had a second camera on Ronnie and Andy pulling the belt. And the thing yes. I remember is, as they're doing it, they do. <laughs> they were like dastardly <laughs> and mutley, doing like that horrible <laughs> fake laugh. <laughs> Yes. Backstage, 
of them. Ah, oh, look at what we're doing to the midgets. Ha ha ha. Right. Aren't we mean? I think that's how we wrapped up that episode, too. It I is. Think that was like the, the final, final scene. Because you see the two of them snickering. Rich. <laughs> Rich. Yes, because we're starting an angle here. Because mm-hmm. this led to our second show. And I'm going to go back to the other thing I remember from the. Because I think now I've told this whole story. Because now the second show, it's in the Palladium. I don't remember what happens at the Palladium. But in some way, shape, or form, the midgets got their revenge on the one night stand. Okay, I want to mm-hmm. say Kyle or Louie or somebody. It, it was a match of some sort where the midgets came out. They pants the one night stand. They caused a loss, something. Mm. And the whole thing was now the one night stand were furious and they chased the midgets out of the building to beat them up. And do you remember what that led to? Oh, when midgets attack, it led to the famous when midgets attack video. Now, at the time, yes. I owned a lingerie company, and what we did was... Now, that happens, and it was going to be uh, Short Sleeve, Half Nelson, and Tiny the Terrible were the three midgets who interfered. Mm-hmm. Well, then, Tiny and his brother get, him, get themselves fired from Chaotic. That's when Tiny got his first contract pulled. I don't yeah. remember what they did. Um, it was probably something stupid, drug or alcohol-related, if I vaguely remember. Mm-hmm. But they quit. So now we're at the warehouse, and we've got to shoot this thing when midgets attack. We've got short sleeve, and we've got the one night stand. So we literally did Home Alone in a warehouse. I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say we had Macaulay Culkin, and we had the two gentlemen. Where um, we had them did, trying to yep. trying to find him in the aisles, and he'd push down a huge thing of boxes on top of him. Then at one point, like they're standing there, he runs up behind with one of like the big rolling warehouse carts. Ass bumps them, they fall in, and he dumps them out the back door. It was Christmas time, so at one point there was like um, like remember those like vinyl car- uh, vinyl stand ups of Santa Claus? Oh yeah. They walk by one, and it lifts up in short sleeves behind it, and he beats the crap out of them with it. <laughs> It was well, so good. It finally gets to a point. The payoff of this whole thing is they finally have him cornered. He runs around the corner. One night stand follow. Ah, Ronnie, now we got him. Hey, oh, let's go get him. They turn the corner, and we had Gino and Ali there, the Millennium Killers, right? who beat the crap out right. of the one night stand. And I, uh, please, I'm begging everybody who's listening, go on the interwebs, use your Google machines. I can't find a clip of when midgets attack to this day. But it's got to be out there somewhere because this was. I have it. I have it on VHS. Do you? I well, I used to record our TV show every week. Rich, I know. Now I gotta go dig. Find the find it. I will. We will take it from. You know what? The hell was Scotty said. I'm gonna take it from the for the pops budget to get that (laughs) dropped to digital, so we can put that on our on our Facebook pages. Now, you know I'm not that ten- technologically sound, but I do know how to convert a VHS tape to a DVD. D- Rich, you've got to do this We're so people this can watch when midgets attack. Because, <laughs> look, you know what? We, we've talked about John Cena and Vince McMahon on the show. We've talked mm-hmm. about Sasha Banks, Tommaso Whitney, um, Kofi Kingston all getting signed by WWE. Yes. Of all the highs I ever had in Chaotic Wrestling. I think when Midgets Attack was the highest high of Chaotic Wrestling. Oh wow! Oh my God! What a what a 
What a memory right there. That That's that amazing. might be my favorite memory of the original crew. I knew we were leading up to something. I thought you were going to tell another story from Shriners, but... Uh... Well, there was another one where... Because do you remember the two superstars or names we had booked on the Shriners show? Uh, we had two? There were we two. Tony Atlas. Yep. Oh, my. King Kong Bundy. Oh, my. We booked King... And that's why we booked the Shriners. Because we were convinced that if we had one of the co-main eventers of WrestleMania 2 on our show, we could sell 5,000 tickets. In the year 2000, and WrestleMania 2 was in 1986. That's good logic, right? Rich, don't... Look, I never said we were great at math back in the day. But yeah, King Kong Bundy was actually on that show. And I believe he wrestled... I believe he read, wrestled Edward Edward G Ecstasy and Ed, Eddie. Although he was a big guy and in good shape, he had a bit of a pot belly. Mm. And I believe that's where Eddie started the whole measuring his waist. It was that night against Bundy, and that turned into that his. In, I don't think that was a Triners because I think was. the Killers wrestled the one night stand. Then somebody wrestled King Kong Bundy that night. Yes. Was it maybe it was Atlas? No, because Atlas wrestled Kyle Storm, and that was the, the story I was going to so, get into. So go ahead. Tell, tell that story, because I knew that's what we were getting into. Go ahead. So Kyle Storm, again, this was and, – and I'm going to go back to the beginning. I think I, this is why I thought he was an original, because um, this was Shriners Auditorium. This was the first show after Loco Bazooka, which I missed. Shriners Auditorium was my big debut. Okay. And we had Tony Atlas against Kyle Storm. And during at the end of the match, Kyle goes to the top rope. I will never forget it. Kyle goes to the top rope. Atlas is laying prone on the mat. Uh-huh. And Kyle goes into a moonsault. Yep. And Atlas rolls. He didn't roll towards the corner that Kyle right. was jumping out of. He rolled out towards the more towards the center of the sure. ring. Kyle's so, legs. so pause for a second, Rich, because I, I want to okay. give. I know we have a lot of people like in the industry who listen, so they're they're all going to get this. For non wrestlers, mm-hmm. and this is going to fly in the face that I know nothing about wrestling. Mm-hmm. Watch any match, okay? When you have somebody who's going to do something off the top rope onto mm-hmm. somebody who's laying prone, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say 100. percent 90 percent of the time. If that move's going to miss, my job if I'm lying there, what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll toward the corner. Exactly. Or if it's like if it's Jericho doing his lion salt, I'm going to roll toward where he's jumping. Mm -hmm. Because what that does is it's allowing the person who's jumping, right, or doing Mm -hmm. that that spot. They know all they have to do is go out as far as they can, maybe even further than they would normally jump. Because right. I'm moving inward, they're going to go over me, and now right. we're ready to go. Exactly. So, like and you said, for whatever reason, Tony Atlas chose to do something different. He rolled away from the corner that Kyle was coming out of. Right. Basically putting himself in the path of where Kyle's, Kyle thinks he's going to land safely. And Kyle's legs collided with the back of Tony's head. So, I mean, just picture stop, drop, and roll. Picture actually... Yep. Rolling on your belly, onto your side, and over like a kid would go down a hill. Yeah. You know, he's rolling like that. And when Kyle comes over expecting 
Tony to roll towards the corner. Now Kyle's already mid-flight. Tony's rolling in the same path as Kyle's body is going. God love Kyle Storm. For, yeah. I mean, there was nothing he could do. No, And, and the back of his leg, like, oh, basically knocked out Tony Atlas. He knocked Tony out cold. So here we are, this group of money marks, don't know what the holy hell we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's our first real show. We have nobody there. We're on modified suicide watch, and now we've just killed a WWE legend in our ring. Right, WWF legend. And I, I, and I, to this day, good friends with Kyle Storm, and I just remember how distraught he was about yeah. that. Yeah, you I agree. Know, just be, you know, it, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> No, and, and I will I say, mean, I think I think Kyle and I, we've had our ups and downs over the course of two decades. We've competed against each other. I think there were times when I was probably not his favorite person, justifiably. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I've never personally had a problem with Kyle, except he's he's somebody else I probably tried to put out of business somewhere along the way. I will say, when we were all around together, Kyle was definitely part of the gang. He was somebody I liked just as much as I liked anybody yep. else. And you're right, that night, that kid was on suicide watch because uh, he was so was upset just... about what happened just devastated by the way kyle storm just became a grandpa just gonna put that holy out there. mackerel if you want to think about how old we are kyle's daughter um just had a child oh my so, god grandpa but kyle now, now remember <laughs> now because rich you've set us up perfectly for this is remember we had uh-huh. tv so now we're thinking yeah. well we got to take advantage of this so mm-hmm. we grab our camera we have a, a legit gaga tony atlas in the back and at the time i want to say part of the storyline was Kyle was back there, and we were we were turning Master Sandy heel. She was going to go with Kyle against Tony, is what I think mm-hmm. was happening in all of this. So we shoot this whole video. We had just brought this b- brand new boom mic, so we get all this, and it's this great promo of Tony is legit Gaga. We're teasing this turn that we're going to paint it that that Kyle actually did it on purpose. Blah blah blah. <clears throat> we shoot the whole thing. I remember we get it back to edit it, Rich. We didn't know how to work a boom mic. There was no sound. Oh. So if you find the episode where we aired it, we actually took the clip. We digitalized we digitized it to black and white. We put a little security thing in the corner, made it look like a security camera, and had Milo Masterson do a voiceover narrating something that sounded like, hey, what's Kyle Storm talking to him about? Wait a minute. What's Master Sandy looking at? <laughs> and, and that's what we aired. On Channel 27 that night. Because, of course, oh my God. we probably could have gotten some publicity out of the fact that we knocked Tony Atlas into next Tuesday. But we mm-hmm. somehow screw up the video clip. Awesome. Awesome. What a way to start. And, and I've said, one, one of the biggest compliments I got in the, in the late, not, not the later days, but for most of our running chaotic is when guys would come in from the outside. And it, it came all the way up to the end, like with a Mike Verna. When they would say to me, um, you know, I just got to tell you, Jamie, that I work other places. Yours is the most professionally run. Um, the, it's a tight ship. It's this, it's that. And I always took a lot of pride in that. So for everybody who said that and for everybody, someday we'll talk about the Jamie rules and all of that. I want everybody to know what a cluster F we were at the beginning. I mean, oh, yeah. we couldn't, We like I said, we have midgets on step ladders. We can't get audio working. We're airing stuff that, that I wouldn't have allowed it at the end <clears throat> us to put that in a YouTube video and we're putting it on broadcast television. And we did commentary through the speakers, which I, the story I shared with the new age insiders, um, 
two weeks ago, last episode, well, uh, you let me fly solo on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of things that, that, that we did that you, you would see for the first time and say, Oh, these guys won't be around in 18 years, oh, no. but they, and then, figure. and then Richard, to, to wrap up the one person we've glossed over, ironically is probably the one we shouldn't because he was part of that original crew. And I know he's a good friend of yours. He, he, he and mm-hmm. I have always said is Latin Fury, Luis Ortiz. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's go ahead. I'm you talk, you talk about Louis and tell people about Louis's background and what he brought to the table. So Louis Ortiz was a student of killer Kowalski. Um, I had worked with him uh, in Tony Rumble's, uh, Century Wrestling Alliance, then NWA New England. Well, it's probably NWA New England at that point. Um, and Louis was just starting out and had built a good reputation for himself. Louis had a very unique look. First of all, Louis was a, a, a Puerto Rican descent, um, had wrestled in Puerto Rico, um, and was a high flyer. But he was a really good high flyer. Yep. And he had um, he had a very interesting look before he had shaved his head. He had like a little, like a little cute ponytail kind of thing off the top of his head. Yeah. He just, it, this was before Demon Ortiz, before the face right. paint and all that. And he and John Walters, I dare say, were like the it guys in right. New England. And, you know, I, I will say that I brought Louis to the fold because that was one of my responsibilities when you guys had signed me was to look outside of, you know, like we hit the nail mm-hmm. on the head earlier. We had pretty much a predominantly Rhode Island-based um, roster. And that's when I said, well, hey, have you thought about this? And have you thought about that? Like I said earlier, I we needed a referee. I knew Michael Crockett, trained by Killer Kowalski, would be a great addition to the roster. Uh, Louis was probably like my number one draft pick at that point. So, and he just, just was a perfect fit for this company because you had the big guys, you had the muscle, you had the midgets, you had the, the women with the big muscles, you had the, the Guido tag team, you had the, how you's doing. Now you had an aerial specialist that was a perfect mesh with, with Kyle yeah. storm, who was also an aerialist and could, could work, both could work on the mat. And these two ended up having one of my favorite series of matches you know, ever that I've ever watched. And now I'm going to want to go pull these tapes and convert them to DVD <laughs> and, and relive all this stuff. But, uh, Louis was, he's Louis is, is, was always will be something special. And, um, he actually no. just wound, he just wound down his, uh, his in-ring career. Right. Um, but, but, and inch. again, to, to piggyback on what you said, Rich, the, the best example I can give is to me, early Louis Ortiz, Latin Fury, he reminded me of like, remember the video game Mortal Kombat? Yeah. He reminded me of like a Mortal Kombat character. He had that look to him, like with that long, weird ponytail he had. He he had that, that one of the first guys I remember seeing of, he had like that, what I would call like that Japanese-style custom gear. Mm-hmm. Right? Like with just graphics and, and all that stuff and the neon colors. And his, his finish at the time, I think, was a split-legged moonsault, right? Yes. See, Rich, I do know some yeah. things about wrestling. Split-legged, split-legged moonsault, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he was also his own worst critic. He yes. 
would always try and find ways to improve things. So it would always be end of the night. You're packing up your bag. What did you think of my match? He would come right. up. What did you think of my match? Now, I, I noticed I did this. Do you think I should have done it this way? And we would talk on the phone, like, just of all these ideas. And I'm designing new gear, and here's what it's going to look like. And, you know, I'm doing this, and I'm going to do that. And it, it was just somebody that absolutely and, loved the business. And Rich, and, and the way he talked was, the way he talks is, Louis very soft-spoken. And I remember yes, when he'd he shake is. your hand to do the two-handed shake at the end. Of, did you like my match? Yeah. I said, Louis, you know, it, it was really good. No, really. Did you like it? You know what? When I had Danny in the corner, I should have given him more. <laughs> you know, and that was just him. And and yeah. I think the I think the the biggest compliment you can give Louis, and this goes to Gino too, because we're talking about the originals. Remember, Gino had a second and third run with us later. Mm-hmm. Louis was one though. Think about all the times Louis would come back. He would always change up what he was doing. And the mm-hmm. great thing about Louis was you could put him anywhere. And he was always believable. He could disappear for two, two and a half years. You could come, you could bring him back in and put him against your heavyweight champion. People would buy it. Mm-hmm. And and he was always, always relevant. Yes. No matter whether it was his first, second, or third run with us, or fifteenth, whatever, he always kept himself relevant. Whether it was by reinventing himself, doing something different with his look, but he that was always on top of what he was doing always aware of what he was doing and what what yeah. he felt he needed to tweak to stand out from it from and, everybody else. And I don't want people to think that because I'm I, I'm sitting on a beach now that I'm kinder, gentler Jamie. I can also tell you that there are times Louie could piss me off like nobody else because the thing about Louie would be on a booking sheet, if you gave Louie 8 to 10, Louie would regularly go 14 to 16. And <laughs> again, we're trying to time out shows and that would drive me absolutely banana. And I would get pissed every time to the point where toward the end when we would want him to go 12 to 14 we'd put six on the booking sheet and somehow he'd go 20 it was like he could read my mind but but, (laughs) and seriously it it caused problems and louis if anything sometimes would say to him go out there and squash somebody and he wouldn't he'd give them four minutes of offense um it wasn't Minnie. It was more recent than that. It wasn't Brett. It was before that. But it was like one of those guys somewhere in the middle, Rich. It was like a CTC kid where we said, or maybe an early NEPWA kid. It might have been like Pat Matthews, one of those guys, mm-hmm. where we said, go out there and squash him. And he gave the kid six minutes of offense. And he came back, and I, I think it might have been Tarzan was booking with me at the time. We're both like, Louie. We said squash him. No, but I felt bad for the kid. I wanted to give him a little something. His parents were in the crowd. Mm. And one thing about Louie, and now that I've, I've told you what drove me crazy about him, the one thing I would always say to my bookers would be, you got to understand about Louie. He's putting all of these spots in. Like, he'd put too many spots into a match. And mm. the reason would be, he wanted the crowd to get more out of him. Yep. When he gave Pat Matthews or whoever it was, too much offense it legitimately was because it was the kid's first match he had his whole family he wanted the kid to fit feel good and look good in front of his family when he'd go eight minutes over his time match it was because he was always trying to do more not necessarily to get louis over but it was because he thought that's what would make the match better and that's what would make the show better Right. So one thing about Louis is it always came from the the, the best places, but Jesus, yeah. he could piss me off. God, I, 
There, there's never an episode that, that, that you don't manage to get me riled up about something, Rich. So good job. We made it almost an hour and a half before you got me. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm sorry, but I love him with all my heart. He is, he is, I know you two butted heads, but he is always been something special. And, uh, One of, you know, we, and, but, but we also, we mended those fences. I remember when he came oh, back, yeah. I, I actually was not the one who brought him back. I, I want to say it might've been Malone. Or, I don't remember who was helping me book at the time. Somebody mm-hmm. brought him back. And I remember we were in Woburn. Louis walked up to me and he said, thank you so much for having me back. And I said, Louis, I hope you know with me, it's never been personal. And that's always been my go-to over 18 years with, with the exception of maybe one or two people. It was never personal. I remember we talked, we hugged it out, and probably, Rich, one of my biggest regrets is that Louis blew out his Achilles on a different show than one of ours. Yeah. Yes. And I just wish there had been a way before I left Chaotic. I wish he could have healed up so we could have had I, – I, I wish Chaotic Wrestling could have had Louis Ortiz's last match, and I wish I could have been there for it. Because yeah. of all those originals, you know, we can talk about the different – someday we'll talk about, and I know you're friends with John Walters. One of my goals is to get John on the show with us so we can talk about that. But but the John Walters-Louis Ortiz matches were unbelievable. You know, when we're talking mm-hmm. around that Cold Fury 3-4 time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and actually, John's going to be home to visit for, for an extended period of time. Um well, I mean, I don't want to date what we're talking no, about here, but, but, but we should... John will be home. Make a note right now. So that, that's Rich's note. job is to get John Walters into our studio because that should be an interesting one, too, because, you know, you want to talk about people that I've had my ups and downs with. Uh, John Walters is somewhere on that list. So I think yep. that'd be... But again, to, you know, we're talking about Louis Ortiz. We're talking about the originals, you know. We've just yeah. spoken about the first really two to three shows we ever did with these people as a company when we were, you know... The, the chaotic wrestling traveling circus and that they really helped lay that foundation. And then, you know, we, we did have Gino come back and, and Louie come back. So they, they mm-hmm. all kind of, some of them floated back in and out. Um, you know, yeah. we, I still see uh, Ronnie delicious on social media now and again. Yeah. Um, yep. He's always good for how, how you's doing on Facebook. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's an awful way to, to sum this up, but some, uh, how, how Anthony Rufo passed away. Yeah. Two, three years ago, yeah, maybe. I all I remember was um, his services were on a Friday night in Providence, Rhode Island, and Chaotic had a show in Woburn that night. And I know I told you, and I said, "Look, yeah. I'm going down to Anthony's services. I will, I will be in Woburn, but yep. I may be showing up at 7:55 for an eight o'clock bell. But I went in my tuxedo pants and shirt and whatever." Um, and I saw Andy Vale, Edward G Ecstasy there, and Gino and Joey and Kyle. It was just like it was just kind of ironic that it was all the chaotic originals that were there at the beginning in two thousand were there to honor Anthony, you know? So it's just a it's a weird way to sum things up, but you know. Yeah, but I think there'll always be a connection for those of us who were around back then. You know, mm-hmm. I think if you if you talk to Milo, um, and again, we have to wrap this up, but, you know, there's another great video. Remember, we did something on the TV station where Milo went out in Boston with the one-night stand to all the bars. 
Yes. And and Tom Tom O'Gara, who I know listens to the show, he was Tom O'Gara was like a a fresh faced twenty two year old Emerson student out there with the camera at one in the morning with Milo and the one night stand on the streets of Boston <laughs> shooting a video package for us. You know, like I said, oh, we God. were on the Lauren and Wally show because I had a connection there. I, I used to intern for them. And mm-hmm. I remember on the show, Master Sandy picked up their co-host, Tom Doyle, and bench pressed him over her head <laughs> for, for, for them on the radio. I mean, yeah. the stuff we were doing was insane, but we were all just so keyed into making this craziness work and happen that we were, we were all on board with it. Yeah, it was it was a real special time and a game changer for me. Yeah. I, I mean, personally, I mean, just talking about myself again, but you know, it, it was, it would just, it, it lit a new fire under my ass after my mentor had just passed away. Not only did I find a new home, but a new home with some friggin' awesome, <laughs> awesome friends that I can tell you to yeah. this day, I am still friends with. When I you do, know, when just... I do fundraisers or charity events for different organizations now, and I need, I need embroidered hats and stuff made. I still call Gino's brother, Joey. He's the guy that does it right. for me. So, yeah. um, so, so this was kind of fun. Well, I feel like, you know, I'm going to go have a, you know, well, we should all go do a little toast to Anthony when we're done. And, uh, yeah. you know, we'll, I'll probably start Facebook and messaging some of these guys, tell them, hey, keep an ear out. You know, we'll have to yeah. track down Sandy. We've got to figure out where she is so we can say yeah. hello to her. Um, but besides that, we'll be back in two weeks. Um, if you want to find us online, we've kind of combined everything, Rich. You can now go to ForThePops.com or find at ForThePops on social media. That's Facebook and Twitter. Look for For the Pops podcast. You can find us on iTunes. We are the For the Pops podcast because everything we do here on Let the Chaos Begin, we feed it right through those. Uh, we feed that right into the For the Pops social media feeds, just so everybody can find us in one place. Because there were there were too many letters for me, Rich. I was getting confused, and my <laughs> my my sun baked Hawaiian brain couldn't take it anymore. So again, you can find us on ForThePops.com or on social media. It's at For the Pops and For the Pops podcast. So. For Rich Palladino, I'm Jamie Jamikowski. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode of Let the Chaos Begin right here on the NAI Pop Network.